Hello, hello. This is Postgres FM episode. I don't remember the number. And uh, today I'm Nikolai and this, this is Michael. Hi, Michael. Hello, Nikolai. I think 85. Well, it's, it's honestly, it's already at this point, it doesn't matter already. When we get to 100, it will matter. Yeah, remind wake me up. Yeah, at, at 100. So today I'm in the passenger seat and uh, Michael is going to talk about, well, I will join, of course, but from passenger seat about uh, why the planner behaves not as expected, not choosing index I have prepared and how to troubleshoot that, right? Yeah, yeah, this was my suggestion. So it's something I see a bunch and I got reminded again yesterday. I was happened to be on LinkedIn of all social networks. It's surprisingly one of the less, well, one of the slightly nicer social networks to be on these days, which I would have been shocked by a few uh, years ago. But I saw a post from Brent Ozar, who I remember from my Microsoft SQL Server days and has been recently getting into Postgres things, which is cool. I think it would be a great addition to the community. And he posted what I thought was going to be a blog post. And he cheekily said, why isn't Postgres using my functional index? And it turned out it was actually a Stack Exchange question that he had posted. And he had included um, links to uh, an Aurora database which uh, not Postgres, but Postgres compatible, which is fun. And he was genuinely asking, why isn't it using my index? And I noticed it was only posted like, sometimes on LinkedIn, you see posts from like three weeks ago, but it was only posted about 20, 25 minutes ago or something. I thought, oh, you know, there's no answers to this. This is something I generally like know about. I've written a whole blog post on. So maybe I can help here. I had had a look. And it just reminded me that this is a remarkably common issue for beginners for a bunch of reasons, but even for some quite expert database users, uh, sometimes get confused as to why they've got an index that Postgres should be using or they think they do. And for some reason, Postgres is either, either can't use it and they're expecting it to be able to, or doesn't think it'll be faster and is choosing a different plan. So yeah, I've seen this a bunch of times. I feel like there's like probably about 10 different reasons it could be, which is I think slightly, like people don't realize quite how many reasons there could be for this. So I thought it might make an interesting discussion. Yeah, well, yeah, I remember this struggle. Uh, Now I know how to like troubleshoot it. But I remember this struggle I had many times in the past. It's, It's not easy sometimes to understand why why a planner behaves in one way, not as you expected. And sometimes you just, it upsets you a lot and you start thinking, oh, it's stupid. I saw also people started blaming Postgres a lot after such events. They think like, oh, planner is like, I want control. Also, this is where yeah. you probably want to start wanting this hinting uh, which Postgres lacks, right? Uh, well, it has it, but it's not like standard. Yeah, that's, I think we probably will get to that. You said um, you now know how to solve it. Out of interest, what's the first thing you'll do? Well, first thing I'll do, I'll try to understand, okay, this is this is the the moment, usually I don't pay attention a lot, to, but this is the exact moment when I start paying attention to cost uh, metrics mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the explain, analyze buffers plan. So the idea is I try to understand, is it really huge number or like it's relatively small or very tiny and then i think okay based on my experience and here actually it helps if you have some experience right uh, based on my experience if uh, my index 
was used, what would be this cost, right? And then, like, basically, I already ex- explained my algorithm. So, okay, I see some cost. I, I, I wanted to say actual cost, but the word actual we must reserve for execution, not for planning, right? But this is the, the cost you see in the root of this tree of query execution. Actually, we don't need analyze here, right? We just say, can it say explain and it's enough. For the total cost that you're talking about, I guess you're talking about, they're called startup cost and total cost. I guess you're talking about the total cost on the root node. In the root, yeah, yeah. We just, like, we have the plan, we see our index we we hoped uh, Mm -hmm. would be used, it's not present there, and we see different index or maybe sequential scan, and we think, oh, what's happening here? And so I see the total cost, probably I also check the success method uh, node where data access is happening and the cost there as well it's also important and then i think oh if my index was used what would be the cost and since i'm experienced i'm sometimes already understanding what's happening but if i have uh, doubts i just start playing with these rough knobs uh, enable sex scan enable index scan enable blah blah uh, to put penalty on specific access methods right or so to specific uh, steps and yeah. uh, scan types yeah right scan types types and uh, and and uh, in this case very often i i start seeing what i expected and i see oh like this would be the cost and i see the difference and it's um, sometimes it's very small so we we were very close to choose my plan but it was not chosen just because and then super often very often it's new system and i ask people what random page cost do you have mm-hmm. right <laughs> because yep. sequential scan our index is not used oh and random page cost is four recently yep. some amazon guys they got consultation with me and this is exactly what happened i asked what random page cost they said four Remember Crunchy Bridge after listening to yes. us changed it to 1.1 and they also published yep. good benchmarks and I, it's still my to-do to revisit those benchmarks because they I, I had tendency to set random page cost to 1 but they said that one, 1. 1.1 is better actually. According to our benchmarks and they had some methodology interesting but it's slightly off topic. So for those listeners who don't know what random page cost, cost is is uh, the how the planner thinks about random access to to data, right? And by default, it expects you using magnetic disks, yeah. rotational disks, and uh, this is not normal in 2024, definitely. And I like I, I'm not I don't know if Aurora and RDS still have four. That cluster may be created long ago. But if they still do have this, this is another question to them. We had the question about CPU and green color in Performance Insights last time. But today we have a new question. We need to check. I, I, I haven't created clusters for long. Yeah. Last time I checked, they most of them were. There were a couple of good exceptions like Scale Grid and now Crunchy Bridge. But there aren't many that have tuned it last time I checked, which was admittedly quite a while ago. This is super strange. And also Postgres community, it's time to revisit this. And uh, we we need this for mostly for new clusters. 
you shouldn't think too much about all clusters. They already have PostgreSQL.conf in place and everything there. So change well, it. <laughs> and I would say, why are we optimizing for the few people that are still running uh, magnetic disks instead of the vast majority who are running on SSDs? Like it's t it's time to change. I think for the default. Yeah, let but, me. Um, like, yeah. I I may be I might be again taking too much time for a passenger but let me just i feel i just feel this uh, that maybe some people don't understand what we are talking about i, I will be very short so there is a sec page cost and random page cost sec page cost means sequential the cost of sequential data access and it's one if you change it uh, you you change scale i i have cases when people change it but let's it's all like it's one it's our like line how to say like baseline right it's one and random page cost by default in Postgres is four. It expects that a random data access is four times ex more expensive than sequential page access, which is not so if you, for example, have all data fit in memory cached, or if you have, if it doesn't fit, but you, you have a, a non-rotational disks, SSD, mm -hmm. uh, NVMe SSD, or something like uh, modern disks. And most of New databases have modern disks, of course, and Aurora, I think they have very good storage. So obviously it's, it's not rotational. I think maybe I'm, I'm wrong, actually, right? It should not be rotational. It's very slow. I mean, throughput is terrible, right? Okay. So, and why, it's, why does it matter here? Because if, the, if, if you have one and four default settings, one sequential and four random access, it's four times more expensive. The planner, quite often thinks, oh, sequential scan is not that bad. I would prefer sequential scan over uh, index accesses if I need to fetch a lot of rows, right? Because it seems to be cheaper for me. And once you shift it to normal, 1.1 is normal these days. Like This is common uh, understanding. And Crunchybridge have good benchmarks. Mm -hmm. Let's attach the link. So in this case, uh, you tell the planner, actually sequential access, random access, they are almost the same. And index scan starts winning. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least it's only a 10% penalty instead of a 300% penalty, which is right. a, a huge difference once you start returning a bunch a of, lot of if, a for lot a of single. Rows. Yeah. Which happens quite often. There's quite a lot. Like, anyway, I'm very happy for you to do a bunch of talking here. It's a pretty common topic. I like that we've gone this deep so quickly, but I do want to go, I think it's worth going back and saying, this is a great avenue for like, uh, like you mentioned looking at the cost, but I think there's an easy, like even for non-experts, you can, you can use that to your advantage, right? You can, if you have access, I, di I didn't, when I was looking into Brent's uh, problem, it was a read only user. So I couldn't do set, uh, enable sex scan off, which is the easiest way of, if you're, if you're getting a sequential scan, flipping it to, uh, well, basically telling the planner that sequential access is tons more expensive than it really is. And therefore, if it has any ability to use the index, no matter how expensive it should be, it will then use it. If it can't, though, enable sex scan off doesn't actually prevent the planner using sex scans. Uh, it just penalizes it. It makes it look more expensive. So if it cannot use the index, which is a bunch of these cases are Postgres can't use the index for some reason, or you've forgotten that you're in an environment that doesn't have the index. Like that is a surprisingly common. Or an uh, invalid index. Yeah. Well, yeah. I haven't seen that one as often. Uh, like I haven't seen 
it come up as often, but quite often people are like in the middle of debugging something and someone's dropped that index or they're on staging and it doesn't have it when they went on production, they do have it. So it is worth double checking the index exists, but by using enable sex scan off, you can quickly check, is it a costing issue? Now it's trickier with, if you're, if you, the case you mentioned where it's doing one type, it's using one index and not the one you're expecting. You can't use that if it's, you, you know, you can't, you can disable different scan types, but you can't tell it not to use a specific index. I have seen a trick for that though, which I had, I wasn't familiar with before, but Hacky Benita shared on a blog post. He, he does a begin transaction, drop index, the one that it was using, explain uh, the query and then roll back which means you can try and see if that index didn't exist, would it pick my index, which is quite a nice trick as well. So trying to find out, are you in the case where Postgres can't use the index or are you in the case where it's choosing not to? The enable parameter is a really nice way of like finding that out quite quickly normally. So yeah, cool that you start there as well, even if you're eyeballing the costs. The one thing I would add on, on that is Thing explain analyze can be helpful. So if you've run that already, or if you if your query actually runs and doesn't time out, then the explain analyze part is helpful because you get the rows returned. And I think when the cost estimates are off, sometimes it's sometimes it's random page cost, but quite often it's about the number of rows Postgres expected to be returned and the number of rows right. that are actually returned. So in fact, maybe actually you don't need analyze because like if you know the query, you know the data, you know the query you're running. Mm -hmm. If you're expecting only a few rows to be returned and you see hundreds of thousands in the estimate, you've got a pretty good clue right there that right. you're in a case where it's overestimating the cost of that. Or underestimating maybe, but yeah, underestimating wouldn't lead to index not being used, but anyway, it can lead to wrong plans. And yeah, that's a good point. So this, this is the reason number one, let's say. First reason is like, Costs are slightly different, but this is like already I'm talking about the most difficult case, probably. There are easier cases. I just excluded them from my mind because they are easy, right? If costs is, is if cost is off and indeed you, we check the planned rows and actual rows, if the mismatch is huge, either it's uh, outdated stats, probably somebody is blocking out a vacuum or something we need to check, or maybe lack of stats. Not like sometimes we don't have stats at all. Like it happens. For example, if you created a functional index, but you didn't run analyze at all yet. <laughs> that was the case yesterday. Yeah. In this case, explain analyze buffers also uh, is good. I agree with you. But yeah, but sometimes you have you have the, the query which lasts hours. So we in this case, we need to downgrade to just regular explain and see only yeah. the planner. Mm -hmm. Well, this is one of those, like, I, I'm obviously a big fan of, of explain analyze buffers like you, but this is one of those cases where I don't think you can know, like, maybe you can never know, but I don't think you can know from a single execution plan which case you're in. We often need at least two. We need, like, the before and the after we've changed one of these parameters. The first one's not going to tell us that much. It tells us it's not using the index, but it, it doesn't tell us why it's not using the index. We could get some clues, like row estimates being off, or like the cost number, but they're only they're only clues. Like we've, it's only by changing something and running it again that we can see the difference of when it when it is using the index. That's, we, we... 
that's why database branching and experimentation with iterations uh, matters so much because if you already calculated statistics, but then you start having questions, what if I do did something like different? You want to reset and go different route, different path, right? In this case, being able to iterate, like reset in a few seconds, run it again, do check this idea, check that idea. That's why branching and fast thing clones matters so much, right? Exactly. This well, this is, yeah. Because otherwise, otherwise it's a one-way ticket. So you already calculated statistics, and that's it. Yeah, true. Actually, you can't go back. You can solve your problem, but you can't go back. Right. And sometimes you you okay, you solve the problem, but you cannot explain in detail what happened. But uh, this doesn't build confidence in your team if you cannot explain, right? And to explain, you need to go back. Yeah. And, and understand I like better. That, yeah. I like that you're using explain in a different context now. Um, okay. <laughs> but it's related, right? It's related. Uh, it is. Like, it really is. And then you can analyze what you're going to do next. Right. Analyze what uh, is overused. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what happened yesterday as well. I didn't, well, there's an interesting thing here. That I, I jumped to conclusions a little bit. I did spot the, it was it was probably an estimation error, but I thought it might also be a data type casting issue, which can, is the kind of thing that we didn't cover that in depth, actually. The, we covered mismatched the, query, right? Let's call it mismatched query, maybe. Yeah, so that basically, if your query can't be, answered by the index you have so if you like the typical example of this is a function so for example if you're running expression. lower on an yeah expression on a on a field but you have only the field right. index and you might think logically that it could use the index. like if for example you're in your date uh huh? from times from timestamp to date your reduction from timestamp to date for example it's very common you convert uh, timestamp to date and expect that an index on timestamp will work. It won't, right? Because yeah. it's for timestamp, not for this, so, not for your expression. So yeah. So in some cases, Postgres handles some of these data type conversions, like text to varchar, which I uh, I wasn't sure about yesterday, but in some cases it doesn't. So it's, it depends whether it supports that. But in general, it's that's the kind of thing that can prevent the use of an index that you're expecting. Uh, to be used or like the operator not being supported like there's a, there's another there's other cases where the index type you so let's say you've used a b tree because that's what most of us are using most of the time one example is on a text field using i like so like again a case insensitive search operator is not going to use uh, the b tree index indexes only support certain operators and if you're using an operator that it doesn't support like a like a greater than on a hash index for example or anything other than their quality on a hash index. It won't use index, kind of obviously. So I think there's a few cases that are quite simple for why it can't use the index. And then there's a bunch that are a bit more complicated along the lines you were talking about, which is uh, what I've just classified as Postgres doesn't think it will be faster. So yeah, we've, we've said expensive and cheap a few times, but those costs, while they're in an arbitrary unit, the idea is for them to estimate how fast the query will be or like how, how slow it will be <laughs> the higher the cost the slower it would be that's the idea and it it's not the only measure that postgres could have tried to optimize for like it could have tried to optimize for io and that's correlated but it's not the same thing like it, it 
optimizes for speed, which is yeah in- interesting and kind of leads us to where what could have gone wrong. So I actually think we didn't cover a whole case though, like a whole simple case of it doesn't think it'll be faster and it's correct. That's the, that's a case that catches people out a bunch. Like you're you're trying to force it to use an index, but it for, it's doing the faster route already. For example, if you read ninety five percent of your table, and just just a sequential scan might be much faster, and on the fly filtering out those five percent that are not needed, then uh, walking on the tree B tree, right? It's it's it will be probably even if you balance random page cost and index sec page cost, it still might be better to use sequential scan in reality. So Yeah, for sure. And because of how sequential scans work, because of how efficient they are and the fact they don't need to read data from multiple places. And if your data fits really tightly on like very few pages, it could be a lot faster. And not even not even just at percentages as high as ninety five percent. The basin like for for small tables, uh, for sm- with like not very wide rows, I've seen it be as low as thirty percent or so. That's still faster right. as a sequential right. scan. So I suspect you come up with a contrived example of it being even lower. Right. So in this case, I have very like simple, very basic question, and I think we should, like m- in many cases we just should start from this question when we uh, consider performance of a query. We should think. How much that data, underlying data, do we have, right? And th- next, very high level, how many rows return? Then it can be like if we can un- we can unfold this and say, okay, if it's just one row, was it aggregate? So we mm-hmm. need to analyze a lot of rows for real, or just we return. I, 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 last week I had a case. People complained about very slow, like very bad behavior and they used explainalized buffers. They, they saw like some gigabytes of data and so on. And they knew uh, ORM or GraphQL was involved, I don't remember, but they knew that they need only like not a lot of rows. And then we just saw that like, oh, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. And I, the question, how many rows were actually returned? And they also like, they, we created all indexes. The indexes are here, but Somehow it's still sequential scans, and so, but how many rows? And we saw like, oh, actually it was like ten thousand rows or so, maybe hundred thousand or twenty five hundred rows. I don't know, a lot of rows return. Do you really need it, or you just forgot the limit? <laughs> so limit is applied on client side, maybe right? It's terrible. And then I said immediately, like I'm big fan of using, again, like or maybe off topic, but I'm big. I'm a, I'm a big fan of using in, in larger projects, not in, in tiny projects when you like care about everything in your pet, right? So queries for me, like, you know, this concept pets versus cattle, right? For, yeah. Yeah. So for virtual machines or for re- real machines, for big fleet of, uh, hard, uh, infrastructure. He, in, in the case of uh, workload, if the workload is complex, I'm a big fan of dealing with queries like with cattle as well. So when I saw this, it was some, it was a new client. I, when I saw this, that they had this problem, returning too many rows unexpectedly, I immediately said, stop here. Like it's just one example of the problem and re- let's return to high level top down analysis using PGSA statements because it has rows, rows metric 
and let's see <laughs> the whole picture, how many other queries behave similarly and in turn too many rows. But this is exactly when uh, it happens, index is not used because you re request to, for too many rows here, right? And selectivity yeah, so is not uh, good. It's very weak. Yeah, and, and, and Postgres too. is going to do exactly what you asked it to do. If you want all of the rows, it's, it's not going to say, oh, let me give you the first 25 and see if that's enough. It's going to say, nope, here you go. Here's all of them. Unless it's PG vector, which is slightly <laughs> uncertain, right? And it's something yeah, different. good point. Yeah, yeah I haven't actually considered uh, the uh, the new index types. Yeah. Anyway. No, no the, more certainty in, in, in the SQL world. <laughs> yeah. So. But yeah, there's another case as well. A big one is if you're selecting a high proportion of the table, it chances are it's actually faster to do a sequential scan. Possibly a different index is serving, like a different index might be serving your query better. Um, I haven't seen that one as often. But another case I've seen really often is small tables. So even if you're only selecting one row in a table that's like fewer than 100, which might not be that common in production. I've seen quite a few like reference tables though that are not very many rows. Or more commonly, developer databases on people's local machines where they just have a tiny bit of data for like a new feature. Even if you have the perfect index, Postgres won't choose to use it when you don't have much data just because it's so because it's all the data's on one page and it can just simply look it up very, very quickly, very, very easily. So small tables are the other exception that I see mm. more often because of yep. dev boxes. You know exactly how easy I can can be impatient here, trying to interrupt you. Right, this is my favorite topic, and like probably I will not add anything here. And listeners who follow us for long already know what would I say here, right? Because you should always try to deal with full size databases. Or at least like a bigger large data sets, yeah. Right, if you right. if if you're gonna have to, yeah. But it but it trips people up. Unless you're you're a big fan of hypothetical approach, hypo PG and indexes partitioning, so it also would work, but in in a limited way. Would it? Would it though? Because if you don't have any data, I don't ah, think. No, sorry, it was not. It was only discussed, not implemented, and there, there was another project. Which like let's export statistics from production, import it to oh, okay. lower environment, and pretend we have a lot of data. That's a cool idea. Yes, it's a cool idea. Maybe already. I, I, HyperPG has been developed, so definitely partitioning was covered. What? But about statistics, maybe no. But there was another project developed in Japan, I guess. And uh, it's, it's not super popular, but idea is cool. Like I think it's it's really good. But I I expect some limitations of this idea. Obviously, if you can afford uh, testing on full size databases, this is the best way. Yeah, you just need to make it cheap, and then I, here I stop. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> okay, but yeah, this is a so this is the more interesting case though, right? Like once you're past those two of it being, you know actually faster if it's wrong if postgres is not estimating correctly that's when we get into the more interesting parts of like you mentioned stale statistics or not even having statistics uh, rele that are relevant uh, or needed so analyze is your friend here uh, on the tables in question we've also got a couple of other tools we can increase the statistics like we can increase 
the sample that Postgres will do if you've got like a an oddly distributed the false statistics uh, target. Yeah, some people not even for one column. For one column. You, yeah, so. exactly. You you can do it globally, but per column. But hundred uh, default hundred is also quite a lot. It might be not enough if you have high insert rate and constantly working on the edge of like new data and uh, the distribution of new, of values in new data is very different compared to the archive data. So there, there are there are things there definitely. That's one of the defaults I'm happiest with actually. I think I think it's a pretty good sweet spot because increasing it if you increase it globally you increase the time for analyze to run globally and i think that has knock-on effects for things like your downtime for doing a certain types of major upgrades and things so I, I can see zero downtime and if analyze if, if, if you jumped from 100 to 1000 yes it, it will probably increase analyze time maybe two or three times but not 10 times it's not so, well, uh, linear <laughs> Sure, but I I don't I haven't seen it cause huge problems globally. Um, but yeah, if you if you've got a if you've got a column that's like uh, not distribute well in a, in a skewed distribution, increasing it for that column can really help. And then the final one I've got on my list was the multi column. Yeah, yeah, which can be only for columns inside one table. Yeah, it cannot be unfortunately for two tables, two, two different columns and two tables. It would be interesting to have maybe as well. Sometimes one table fully depends on another, right? And yeah, well, this I don't is, know. What? We do have a whole episode on hints, but I think this is where right. the hints discussion really comes into play. It's like, what what are your options when we're out of tools within Postgres to give the planner as much information as we can about the, like, right. the distribution and but, the stats? Bugs also happen, so bugs might happen. I mean, planner bugs or, or some uh, not developed things, not yet developed things, some easy stuff which is not yet there. Postgres planner is not super powerful. It's quite powerful, but compared to SQL Server, for example, the code base is much smaller and the amount of the number of uh, engineering hours invested to SQL Server planner are much bigger than into Postgres. So, of course, it's evolving, but uh, still some things might be not yet developed and sometimes people see quite simple things. To me, like, sometimes you think, oh, it's so, like, obvious. Why why it's not here? And as an example, it's very unrelated, but it's still Postgres. Last week, uh, transaction timeout was committed by Alexander Karatkov. Many thanks to him. Uh, and transaction timeout was my idea. And it was when I came to this idea, I was thinking, am I stupid? Like, am I missing something? Like whole world uh, still didn't raise this. I, I searched, I don't see discussion. Why transaction timeout is not present in Postgres still? Like it's so many dozens of years of development. And then I, a few folks validated it's a good idea actually. And then it got, got support. So. If you spend time with Postgres enough with Planner, you might indeed see cases when which are not yet well developed, or just simply back bugs. Sometimes just bugs happen as well. Yeah, I've spoken to several customers that have long histories with DB2, Oracle, and and they're they're surprised by some things, but they also talk about some issues with like especially on the Oracle side about kind of patchwork 
solutions. So sometimes more code in these optimizers is not necessarily better because it's like patched fix on patch fix on patch fix, and it leads to quite a n- like nasty weird behaviors. So I do admire the elegance of the simplicity, but equally, I think you're right. People I know that that know these things well or have used SQL Server or SQL Server or DB2 in the past definitely say nice things about those planners. Well, my opinion is also based not on my experience. My last experience outside Postgres was like very long ago. I mean, real experience when you do develop something for long. It was more than 15 years ago. So I, I'm just translating other folks' opinions, and, but... Mm-hmm. They seem reasonable, these opinions, and they are experienced guys who actually came to Postgres and say, you know, like, let's just admit the planner can be much, much better. We need to continue developing things, improving things. And in this case, let's advertise a recent blog post from David Rowley. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So... I've noticed most, many items, uh, uh, it was... His contribution, right? So it, uh, yeah, but also many from other people too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like the post is um, what's new in the planner in Postgres sixteen. Mm-hmm. Let's un- let's like unfold it and and so on. And it's, it's great. I'm, I I it's also in my to do to inspect deeper and maybe do some tests. So it's it's a good good post, very good post. And uh, the thing I love most about it was uh, inspiring people to upgrade. Postgres 16 came out a few months ago now. Uh, we had some minor, at least one, two. I think two now minor patches. Yeah. Yep. February, really. I already know at least one a company that has upgraded as a direct result of that blog post coming out just to see if some of their queries improved as a result. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Good. So, yeah. Thank you to David. This is important to share, by the way, because other people think like maybe it's still too early and so on. And, you know, like I recently was approached and just the question, do you know anything bad about Postgres 16? <laughs> and I said, no, actually, it's not, it's not Postgres 9.3. No, 9.3 was terrible. I remember it. <laughs> I think you, I've got a new answer for you that I think is more on brand. I think you should say yes, but they're also true in 15, 14, 13, 12, 11, and 10. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I know what you mean. You mean did you mean like they they don't you don't know anything bad in sixteen that's new in sixteen? Nobody bumped into some problems like complaining that it's bad. Let a few companies upgraded. I mean, maybe not huge installations, but still like and it, it's it, it's it has good reputation so, so far. It it and of course uh, the risks are still there and tomorrow we might see some problem but re- uh, these risks already go down down and down over time right and i mean it's important to share so like we upgraded everything is good in our case it doesn't mean in any yes, case true. it will be good but it builds up uh, the level of confidence over time and, and more f- more people will be upgrading so nice one okay good did you have anything you. you wanted to add mm- no. I always have a lot of things, but I think we are out of time. Let's not consume a lot of time. We, sh- we should like, of course, it's good if you run more or walk your dog more listening to us <laughs> longer, but still there are other things to do. So thank you so much. And uh, thank you for support. We still like, I-, I didn't follow really well, but we see comments on YouTube, for example. It's good. Please share your experience as well and uh, other people also see it and we can highlight some comments not only about red bull right and uh or beer it's it's so free advert i'm teasing yeah um yeah. 
yeah about th- like i think over a thousand people have listened to the last few episodes which is pretty cool yeah so yeah. thank you all good okay cheers Nikolai. see you later Take care. bye-bye bye